Dark Side of the Ring. Season three. Season three of Dark Side of the Ring is here. Yep. Is upon us. Well, I guess it already started, right? Because um, yeah, that's that week. I think that was a surprise. I think that was a gift to try to lure people over. The only thing that I'm having trouble with with Vice is, like, I think people are having trouble where to watch it. It's not like it's like a for sure streaming service. Like, I don't yeah. know if you if you have to have it through your cable company or if you can buy it. I know you can watch prior seasons now on uh, Discovery Plus. Is that true? Yeah. What is Discovery Plus? Discovery Plus is the Scripps Network, their own streaming service. So for everybody who watches the Travel Channel, HGTV, Discovery, the History Channel, they took all their content back and they made it into one big streaming service. The Content Wars, even the educational channels (laughs) are involved. Yeah. So any... Yeah, I'm pretty sure last year they released the first episode on YouTube as well. Uh, so everybody yeah. could everybody could get it, and they'd give them a week to figure out how to get Vice, yeah. so they can watch part two. But um, but it was great. You you watched it. You watched the. Uh, oh, I watched it like three times. It was great. Oh man, it was. It, it's just it, it's such a it's it's almost like a soothing watch, even though most of the material is dark. The way it's shot and the music, um, the way you know the sort of the interviews are framed, everything just feels very soothing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just something about everything being silhouetted and in slow motion. Uh, it's just something that it, I think that's what actually makes it very effective. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so season one had six episodes and it was a huge hit. Mm-hmm. Season two. It was only six? Only six episodes. Oh, wow, I didn't realize that. Season two, then like, well, this is really good. Uh, the views just kept slowly, slowly increasing, and then they actually did 10 episodes for season two. Mm-hmm. Then it was so successful, they gave them a 14-episode order for season three and two spinoffs, uh, The Dark Side of Football and The Dark Side of the 90s. Yeah. But the first season, I mean, they started with the perfect episode for season one was The Match Made in Heaven, basically uh, the backstory behind Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth's entire relationship from when they met uh, till till the end. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, that was great. And then obviously the most famous screw job in history, the Montreal screw job to cover that. You know, for some reason that just never gets old. Which because it's a conspiracy theory. Yeah, you know? I think that's what's making there's conspiracies it around it, so it keeps people hooked, just like the JFK assassination. It is very much. It's basically pro wrestling JFK. You nailed it. Yeah, and you you, you hear theories going back and forth about even like uh you know folks involved with WWE at the time say think it's a work. Yeah, and think about that. That's so Scott Hall says it's a work. Right. Scott Hall is basically you know best friends with Shawn Michaels. And Triple H, who were you know intimately involved with this, yeah, and he's like, oh, I don't know, man, that cameraman cut to it perfectly. I think it's a work. He did catch the spit, <laughs> he did. and everything. Yeah, <laughs> he did. That was impressive. But and you know, uh, now that we're seeing more of uh, smaller wrestling organizations popping up with shows, you really can appreciate WWE's production. They are on point with their oh, yeah. camera angles and their technical directing. The cuts are perfect. The way no one else can do the thing where they do that with the thing they do where they um they have the cameraman zoom in and out as oh, they yeah. as the technical director's <laughs> cutting and it's just back and forth but and it just really just builds the or you know helps sell the yeah. move. Yeah, they don't miss. So yeah, on top of that, you know, just grabbing all these uh, nostalgic titles like wrestling nostalgia is really big right now, and obviously, screw job. But I mean, Bruiser Brody, I mean, I remember that. That was uh, 
late late nineties, I believe, right? It was just like, but that was a pretty dark story. But that wasn't a well known story, right? But if you were in the business, you did realize that basically, you know, that territory running in Puerto Rico basically is like running the mafia. You know, they run that island. Yeah. So I mean, it was it was actually a pretty terrifying story to think that he was basically, you know, Bruiser Brody was known as such a a huge shooter, you know, that he can handle himself in any situation, beat right. the crap out of people, you know, known for scaring, you know, people in Japan just with his real life antics, you know, just to be, be taken out in a shower, like basically like a hit, mm-hmm. you know, that was really, so I think capturing all this, so you have, you know, their production value, their nostalgia, and then just like this lost, you know, history, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think pretty much as time going on, you know, you you have YouTube to see all this, so it's great to get the perspective of. I think Jim Cornette adds so much to this show because basically, <laughs> a you know he basically doesn't like the current product. He yeah. thinks pro wrestling's dead, but he is a legit historian. Like right. he is a historian that he can take you all the way back to the Frank, you know Frank Gotch George Hackenschmidt super shoot of the twenties. You know <laughs> that. So to have a, a true historian like that, and I noticed as. As time's going on, they're getting a lot more higher value people on there. You know, not that I'm not saying Jim Cornette's not higher value, but they're getting people that are willing to come on there and talk where maybe the season one, they may not want to get on there and talk just to kind of keep Kayfay alive. Because how could could you have really done this Brian, uh, Brian Pillman episode without Stone Cold? Oh, right. Well, you know, part of the Hollywood Blondes. I mean, they kind of you know, they're both going to be thrown out into the trash at the same time. And they had that one run before mm-hmm. they split up, you know, and, and look what it turned into. Yeah. You know, like even Stone Cold talked about, it's like, I didn't want, you know, I didn't really want to do this tag team. And it turned out to be one of my best friends. Yeah. Uh, so that was telling. So, yeah, I think there's just like, they just really just caught this lightning in a bottle. Because even the last couple, you know, obviously everyone knows Devon Eric's, uh, like, but Gino Hernandez, he was very territorial as far as like you had to be a part of like Houston wrestling or world-class understand that background to even know who he was, but just to add that light in there, because he basically would have been a huge star you know, yeah. in the business if he wasn't, you know, mysteriously murdered, you know, yeah. and, and on top of that, right. It's just like, everybody loves these, uh, Sealer, serial killer documentaries are big right now. So <laughs> sure. unfortunately, there's this side of wrestling that is just like just the season one alone, right? It's just like you got fabulous moolah. So they get into prostitutions. You get into uh, a basically uh, a hit, you know, mm-hmm. a mob hit. And then you get drug runners. And then you just, ha- I mean, and then you have the JFK. Uh, and then you have, you know, passionate love that, you know, got a little scary with the match made. I mean, that's just season one. All in season one. Just all in season one. Sorry. Yeah, all in season one, we get all that stuff. That was yeah. awesome. And six episodes, it's unbelievable that was so short. Yeah, it was, it was super powerful. And then they came out guns blazing in season two with obviously the most famous, you know, murder in professional wrestling that no one wants to talk about anymore is the Chris Benoit. That was a two parter. Uh-huh. Obviously that was huge, you know. Yes. Just, now that that was a really good episode. Yeah. I mean basically double murder, suicide. I, I don't remember if they actually got into the conspiracy theory that's out there with uh, you know, because he was working against Kevin Sullivan and Kevin Sullivan was working that satanic gimmick. So they're saying no he's really a, a you know, he's really a 
Satan worshiper, and that was his revenge because I've never heard that one. Oh yeah, because basically, you know, Chris, uh, Nan- his wife Nancy, that used to be that was Kevin Sullivan's ex-wife, right? And, and they turned that into that angle in WCW, but you know, people are so good at doing that. You know, back then they did a, such a good job at like holding on to kayfay. Yeah. That it's just like they couldn't separate fantasy from reality. So they think Kevin Sullivan had something to do with this. No, I never heard that one. That was his ex-wife. Oh, and wow. Then, and then Kevin Sullivan had something, you know, uh, some kind of relationship or past history with Sherry Martell. And she got actually, they found her dead around the, pretty close to around the same time. So mm-hmm. there was a big conspiracy. So, Again, everybody's drawn to that conspiracy theory. So that was a strong episode. But, you know, they have a good balance of uh, bringing it back to something fun because I feel like the Brawl for All episode was fun because this is basically like... That's one. I didn't know anything about that. Oh, yeah. That was fan- That was like legendary when it was actually yeah. happening because they launched that right when UFC started getting really big. You know, and at the time they just basically had a lot of badasses in the locker rooms. You know, Dan Severin and you know Shamrock. I don't think Shamrock was there yet, but Doctor Death. And they're like, "Oh, let's really see. Let's have our own UFC with all these guys." Not yeah. realizing at the end of it, and basically, oh, that's why wrestling's a work because if these guys really beat the crap at each other, you only get them for one week, and then they're pretty much done. How did they not call this ahead of time? How did they not oh, predict that? Jim I mean, Cornette. Jim, Jim. Yeah, I heard. You know, Jim Cornette. But how did this go get through? Were they, was it was it that desperate at the time? Were they- I, no, I think it was just that's when you know Vince Russo basically had the, you know Vince's ear because he you know he had a lot to do with a lot of stuff popping, so they just started doing that, you know, taking chances and doing things, and you know Jim Cornette was there to try to talk him down, but you know at that time it was just big ratings, right? That was yeah. I don't know if that was that was during the Monday night or right when it started popping off, but you know, obviously they were using it to try to get some of their other guys over. It sounds it. like it it have to be before, right? That none of the none of the bigger guys I can recall being involved with that whole thing. No, because it was it was basically it was too dangerous. So it was it, yeah. it was ninety eight. So I mean, it was right at the peak because I mean that was when they were getting close to taking over from WCW. Uh, on the ratings, it was yeah, it was ninety eight. But yeah, they were using it to get all their their guys over. They had Bradshaw, they had the Godfather, uh, Dan Severn, like I was saying, he was a UFC. But then they had Road Warrior Hawk, which I thought was strange. But apparently, you know, if you go back to his episode here in Dark Side side of the Ring, you realize that he was a a badass too, basically a, a barroom brawler, mm-hmm. right? But everybody pretty much got hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so and it's just like and it, and it kind of ruined. You know, Doctor Death's career it ruined Bart Gunn's career because then they're like, okay, if you're, they put him on Butterbean, you know, <laughs> in WrestleMania, and then he just got, you know, knocked the fuck out. Yeah, you know, it was a bad one. So yeah, you know, but then they get. Back it's to, like they they exposed themselves so much. They did. They exposed yeah. the business. Oh yeah, and then you know. Just, you know, showed, uh, you know, helped emphasize wrestling as a work by putting, you know, the guy who won their shoot fight um, against let's I mean, he's a trained boxer, but he's like a fat, bald novelty guy. Right. (laughs) This is like a this is like a Mike Tyson's punch out. uh, Oh, yeah, it pretty was. (laughs) And he got he got whipped. Yeah, he actually Butterbean would have been perfect for like a a, a punch out type game. Yeah, <laughs> Piston Hurricane. Yeah, somebody tagged Nintendo <laughs> on this podcast. 
but yeah, then you know, I'm back to a uh, dark side of the ring, and then they get serious again because you know you had the Jimmy Snuka, Nancy Argentino uh, murder mystery of just like another kids. one. I was not too. I mean, I knew that it had happened. I didn't know a lot of the details, but I guess a lot of the details came out recently. Yeah, yeah, because it it ended up that he was going to get. You know, with new proof, they were going to go actually go back to trial with it. You know, and then he did, and he ended up dying. So I don't know if, what would have come of that, but yeah, that would have been interesting because it's just like I remember when it happened. You know, Jimmy Snuka was you know huge, huge star. You know, he was especially in the Northeast old WWF days. He was a monster star. So uh, wasn't surprised that you know how it all kind of went down. You know, and especially back then, it was a lot more of a, a CD business than it is now. So right. you can kind of get away, you know, basically paying people out of briefcases kind of thing, <laughs> you know, and then you have another man. There's a lot of mob stuff here. The assassination of Dino Bravo. Another know, one I didn't the, know yeah. a lot about. Yeah. I mean, I remember him being on TV and had him as the world's strongest man doing the bench press for 705 pounds. Uh, that was kind of his gimmick, but he was huge in Canada. So it was, right. it was cool to see that old history. Cause he was basically, Hulk Hogan of Montreal, it sounded like, right? Yeah. We got to see the Mountie return on camera. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a story that I want them to cover, uh, and there's some, a great uh, shoot video out there. So basically uh, a real fight between uh, the the Rougeau brothers and the British Bulldogs, yeah. basically Dynamite Kid. Versus, yeah. That's, that is really intense. I mean, I'm hoping someday they cover that because if you watch the shoot video of that, Oh my god, dude! It was. There's it was, videos of it. No, no, there's just they basically interviewed everybody that was involved with it, but it was just basically you know some sc- scary fight for your life in the locker room kind of stuff. So <laughs> my uh, YouTube algorithm keeps feeding me stories about wrestlers recounting their encounters with ha- uh, Haku. Oh yeah, Oof. I just I watched one and now it's feeding me lots of them. And, and yeah, there was all- one where uh, Stevie Ray was talking about breaking up a fight with Haku in the back of a bar and he had a guy in the, uh, the death grip by his mouth. Oh yeah. Like, but for real (laughs) Haku. And the thing about him is he's in, I had the pleasure of actually having a drink with him in Mexico city. Oh yeah. He's, he's an incredibly, incredibly nice person. So it's just like the thought that there are these people, you know, alcohol does that, that they're like, I'm going to just take on this dude because when you meet him, he is like, he is like a, a video game character. He's yeah. just like this hulking monster of a man that is just like, he's not the person that you want to try to test. Yeah. And it's just like, and he's so nice. Like I remember somebody, you know, I was just, you know, 20 years old in Mexico city and I was just like a timid rookie. And, uh, one of the veterans there was kind of like, not, not pleasant to me, not, not me either, not shooting on me or anything like that. And, and Haku made him buy me a drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and I had already known the stories, right? You've heard the stories about him plucking out people's eyes and stuff. And it's just like, whoa. And I remember I was sitting next to uh, Norman the Lunatic, <laughs> a.k.a. Bastion Booger. And he just <laughs> and he just kind of smiled and he kind of winked. And he's just like, yeah, he's a nice guy. Just don't get on his bad side. But if you're on his good side, you're you're good to go for the rest of your life. Kind of thing. So I, I thought that was cool. Wow. Uh, but yeah, then, you know, jumping around these other ones, obviously they cover uh, Last Ride of the Road Warriors we talked about, you know, and then they did that confidential story where they went back because unfortunately between 
the original airing and then the confidential airing, we lost both Road Warriors. Uh, Hawk and Animal both passed. Uh, but, dude, the the Road Warrior pop was, like, legit to, that people still talk about it. It, mm-hmm. it, just, it. it is a, you know, they turned it into an adjective, Road Warrior pop. Can you just, like, explain it to someone who's never heard that terminology basically the the road warrior pop is when a wrestler does something or comes through the curtain and literally gets such a loud ovation that you literally can't hear yourself think that everybody stands up on their feet everybody is cheering nobody is booing it's just a mass of humanity similar to like that queen video where you just like you can feel the vibrations on your face, mm-hmm. that's a road warrior pop when everybody's screaming for you. Yeah. And they just got it every time they came out because they were so different and they were such a force of nature that everybody would just stand up their feet and just in awe and scream. You know, like Hulkamania would be the closest other thing that you can, or Stone Cold when you hear the glass, that's yeah. your ass. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a road warrior pop that just like when everybody, doesn't matter they're happy that something huge is about to happen. Right. So, uh, yeah, that, so that was a great episode. Uh, you had the Dr. D, the slap heard around the world with John Stossel on 2020, the interview back in the eighties when he said wrestling's fake. And yeah. then he just basically slapped the crap out of him. Uh, hit me on each ear, you know, and he still actually, John Stossel was part of the show and he still has heat. But it, the funny thing is that was interesting that, it sounds like David Schultz was, that was a hit, but not like a, obviously a murder hit, but that was a hit hit. There's like, mm-hmm. there's a protect cafe. There's a reporter back there saying wrestling's fake. Go show them how fake it is. Right. And slap. So supposedly the rumor was, and that's what they get into this episode that he was basically paid or told to do this. But then after that, his career really went nowhere and he became a bounty hunter, which is terrifying. <laughs> he was like really that big of a badass. I think maybe, um, he overdid it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably what happened. Yeah. I mean, that slapped to that. I mean, I remember seeing that as a little kid and I recorded it on VHS and just watched it over and over again. Cause I just like, I didn't know because back then I was all for it. Just like very defensive of the business. Like even if I knew, you know, in my heart of hearts that it was a work, I was still very protective of just like people saying the word fake, Yeah, you know? So I, I kind of, even back then as a little kid, I understood it was like, good. <laughs> yeah good and you know you can't help but be that's like a natural thing i think uh even today if people are protective if you're a fan and you you you, you talk to a non-fan about it and then you have to like whoa 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 yeah yeah it's like relax. <laughs> don't say that yeah exactly and it's just like and, and and literally what you think you're uh you know discovering water on mars you yeah. know it's just like you're you think this is something that hasn't been discussed you know right before that it's like you know that's not real right it's like <laughs> oh my god that's but, the worst one. Yeah, that's just so stupid, especially, you know, me just knowing that, like, and even me, right? It's just like I have two front teeth that are fake, and I have, you know, my arm that doesn't bend straight. And I was like, well, my body apparently didn't get, you know, the memo, because obviously you're still going to get hurt just because someone doesn't. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they had that interesting one, which I, I remember the UWF, the best title or cocaine and cowboy boots to Herb Abrams story. And I remember this man. I remember when this guy got a TV deal and basically he tried to cut a deal with Vince McMahon and Vince basically told him to, you know, you know, take a hike. So he tried to compete and he was getting all these big name guys. And at the time it felt like WWE meets glow. 
because there's just like this guy got a TV deal, but he's got Bruno San Martino and he's got Bam Bam Bigelow. And it's just like, and you've heard of Cactus Jack through magazines. He's got all these names that are coming in. And then he tried to get Andre the Giant and Captain Lou Albano. And then so to hear the backstory of that, because you're always like, why didn't that succeed? And like, oh, okay, because it all went up his nose. <laughs> yeah, and finances. Then, yeah, and then B. Brian Blair had the best line in there. I think I sent you the little clip of that. It's just mm-hmm. like Herb Abrams died doing what he loves, cocaine and hookers, <laughs> <laughs> which I just like, I just took that snippet and I watched it over and over again to uh, yeah. make enjoy it. And then they ended season two with the final days of Owen Hart, which, you know, I was crying my eyes out again like it was 1999 again. So you said you were watching that pay-per-view when it happened? I was watching the pay-per-view, and it was just like, it was very bizarre from from my point of view, uh, just sitting there watching the pay-per-view, because it cut from an interview in the back with, I believe it was with Owen, and I may have turned away because I knew the match hadn't started yet. Yeah. And then I remember looking at the TV, and I was just like, why hasn't the cameraman... Why is he filming the audience? And like usually if they're like doing an audience shot, they're panning, right? And people right. are cheering. Right. But everybody was just standing and looking and they weren't doing anything and they didn't say it like what was going on yet. And that's when it really got my attention. And then that's when they started saying what happened. And it took a while to piece together what actually really happened. You know, yeah, and to, and the thought that that show still went on—that's crazy that. to me that that would just continue like that. Yeah, to this day, that is just like, how was that not a crime scene? And then you just basically, all right, we're shutting this all down until we figure out what the hell had just happened. Yeah, because it's just like at that point you had no idea, right? It's just like, did he fall? Did he was he pushed? Like, what the freak happened? Mm-hmm. Oh man, but it's just like, it's this is a that's a really strong episode. I mean, it's really. It really tears at your heartstrings. I'm just like, you know, Jim Cornette started crying, and obviously he's, you know, to get see watch him get emotional, and yeah. Just to get Jim Ross, who was right there at ringside, who just literally telling his story. He right? had to make the announcement ten seconds before. Yeah, he is when he found out that he actually died, and yeah. then he had to make the announcement, and you go back, and he just had to say that. I mean, it was hard, but what, like I was one. I mean, like what comes to mind? I was thinking. Was, is there not a protocol for if somebody, you know, gets, you know, a critically injured like that in the ring? Like, is there not, there's not a a, a button that gets pushed that say, okay, we got to stop this or we've got, I understand it's like 20 years ago, things could have been different, but is there not a protocol for a very serious injury? You can't move somebody, something like that, you know? Yeah, there was a protocol and actually, and then, you know, wrestling being wrestling, they turned it into a work, but basically when the referee put up the X, when he basically crossed his arms like an X. Yeah. That means it's a shoot. Somebody's really hurt. We have to do something here. So I don't know what happened th- that day that that didn't, you know, I think nobody nobody knew what was happening, I guess, because it wasn't an actual match. Yeah. The match didn't start, but the protocol would be throw your X up. But, you know, when the internet got wise to that, they started putting throw the X up as part of the angle. To right. Like, to show that this is a, you know, this is a shoot, even if it's not, but yeah, you know, and we saw, uh, what's the Mexican wrestler that died in the ring? You know, that was terrible. Uh, I don't remember. He was, uh, he was working with Ray Mysterio, right? Yeah. He was the, the son of, oh man, I got to pause cause that's going to drive. All right. I keep wanting to say Pollo, but like, what's the dog? The dog? How do you, uh, it's how do you, dog in Spanish. Pe- Perro? Yeah. Perro Aguayo. Okay. It was, uh, Paraguayo's son. 
You know, oh, it's okay. just like, so, and that showed up on YouTube. And I remember there was no protocol for that because they had no idea. And it looked like he had died as he hit the rope, you know, as he hit the turnbuckle. But then when Ray hit, you know, the 619 and he looked like he no sold it, I think he was already gone at that point. Yeah. He was already, you know, because. Uh, basically, they showed Conan, and this is another episode that I hope they do cover. Uh, they showed Conan kind of like he didn't know that Peril was gone, and he was like basically trying to like snap him out of it, thinking that he was just knocked out. So that was uh, incredible, like at that time to know that nobody knew what to do, you know. And I wonder in hindsight if they would have just, you know, Vince is not known for stopping the show. Remember the pay-per-view that was basically half in the dark when there was a power outage and they still kept going? Mm -hmm. There was another pay-per-view. So now obviously that's very extreme, but it was just like even then you would have thought, let's stop the show because there's no lights on. Right. (laughs) And they found a way to do it. But for for somebody at that point, and I think that's probably why they lost that wrongful death suit, right? It's just like, the ring i mean owen's blood was still in the ring dude i know that's wild uh, i mean and just think that referee you know that felt it in there and just for him to find out that his last words were look out that he was basically trying to tell you know save this guy's life that he know because i'm wondering if he if it would have just been a little bit over to the left where he wouldn't have hit the turnbuckle yeah. if he would have just hit the ring flat now granted it's like 90 feet yeah would he have just broken every bone in his body, but maybe lived? I don't know. But I think the thought that he hit the ropes and then slingshot it down, I think maybe that, I don't know, but they get into that. And then that little clip that they showed, I mean, that was powerful, powerful that, you know, these guys have really been nailing it as far as like taking you on a, an emotional roller coaster, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they're true fans and they have a genuine curiosity about all this stuff, you know? Yeah, and it seems like they oh, and they and they handle everything with care. Like yeah. they're they're never, never disrespectful. Even I, when things get weird, like it sounded like it got really weird with uh, uh, Abdullah the Butcher when they were doing the uh, uh, Bruiser Brody episode, mm-hmm. and just basically Abdullah being Abdullah is just like I'm going to take these promoters for a ride. Yes, you got to pay me. We're going to we'll take you to dinners. Like bring me to red lobster and it's just like, and then you're going to buy my whole family, you know, entrees and I'm going to take them home. And it's just like, they could have been like, what are you doing? But they were still so respectful because it was Abdul the butcher. And it sounds like he was taking advantage of them a little bit. Yeah. But they were still very respectful of the business. And I think that's why this has been successful. If yeah. Were, and I think that's why they're opening up to more people, uh, more yeah. appearances now. Yeah. Cause it's just like, if it was basically, if they would John Stossel this and, Basically, we're trying to expose wrestling, uh, you know, try to, I think, I don't think it would be as well received, but they're super respectful and, and, you know, they're doing stuff where they're actually, they have merch and they did uh, the first bit of Owen Hart's oh, yeah. uh, merch and that went to the Owen Hart Foundation and they did stuff uh, for women, you know, and they were doing stuff for UWF. And I think they're doing it right, man. Yeah. So hats off to Vice for giving them a 14 episode order, you know, right. and starting off with Pillman. But dude, we got a, a packed season three. You know, you got Ultimate Warrior, Grizzly Smith, Dynamite Kid, which I was talking about earlier. Maybe they might get into that shoot fight that he had with Rougeau. Uh, the steroid trials, obviously, with McMahon in 94. That's going to be big. Yeah. And then the other equivalent of the Brawl for All was the, the famous plane ride from hell. 
you know, basically when they chartered that plane back from the European tour and it was everything that could have happened on that flight. Oh man, I don't know that story either. Oh dude, I want to save it because it's going to blow your, I mean, it's like basically uh, Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar got into a, a, basically a shoot wrestling match right over basically the Atlantic ocean. Can you imagine them suplexing each other on a plane (laughs) and then you got to watch this. And then like, um, Michael Hayes, you know, got his hair cut, you know, cause he passed out. It, it sounded like it just got nuts. Wow. Uh, then they have some smaller ones that I'm not familiar with, you know, the Johnny canine, uh, bruiser bedlam, which I think he bombed a bank. And then you got Nick Gage, just like this extreme, extreme wrestler that thing. He got nuts in the ring. And I think he was arrested for like bank robbery. Uh, they got the show they did in North Korea, uh, Grizzly Smith, who was basically Jake the Snake's uh, father, you know, and I think that one's going to be tough because if I remember correctly that the rumor is that he may have, Jake might be like the kid from basically the product of sexual assault. Jake the Snake? Yeah. I don't know that so, story. Yeah, either. so I think they're going to get into that. Uh, Luna Bashan, uh, I don't really even know what is going to be behind that story, so that should be good. And then Chris Canyon. Chris Canyon was a great wrestler. Uh, late nineties, he, he was basically Mortis when they had Glacier. Uh, and then he started doing the, he, he came at the right time, but apparently he was, uh, he was gay and he's going to, they're going to talk about it, but he ended up, uh, passing away. I don't remember if he took his own life, but again, it's just like, they have that balance of just like the spectacle, the conspiracies, the tragedy of the murders, and then the fun, not fun stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. and then the Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, which was is the uh, inventor of the exploding barbed wire deathmatch that was the... Wait, who's this? Uh, that's Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling was the company in Japan. Uh, I believe his name was uh, Onida. And they basically going to get in this. That's when Extreme was getting big. And, you know, Japan is just like, we'll do... We'll take your extreme and we'll see your extreme. And <laughs> said, so basically they did that. It's like, oh, you got ECW. Well, we got 14 episodes. We got this. That's a, I mean, it's a lot of stuff yeah, coming out. Are they there gonna, is. These coming out all in a row. I wonder, are they going to split this up? They're splitting it up. Okay. Yeah. You know, so I think they're going to do the first, uh, at least the first five and then five or six. And then they're going to kick it back off in uh, August. So we got a packed, packed uh, agenda of Dark Side of the Rings, which we're going to be covering here. Uh, but the biggest question is, is I think what Vice needs to work on is how do you watch it? How do you get Vice? Yeah. <laughs> I need to know this because I even tried to pirate that um, using someone else's password to get on the app. And that didn't even work. Oh, yeah. Their app is tough. Their app is a tough, tough app. So I think you have to. It has to be part of your cable package. But I don't know if you can even make these like available to buy like in iTunes or no, not. No, I think you can buy them per episode. Yeah, that could be what I end up doing, um, but I it, it, Vice is just it's it's confusing. I don't know how to watch it on my Roku. I don't. I'm not going to get cable. I can't get cable. No, no, that's crazy. That's an ins- that's what a no. great idea. No, not even El Ray can get me to go back to cable. Yeah, I just I can't. I, I can't do it. So we're going to have to figure it out. But but they are streaming of season one and two, I believe, in Discovery Plus. You can watch Dark Side of the Ring, but Discovery Plus. Yeah, so you can get the previous season, but or you can just go to YouTube because apparently it's out there. But oh wait, I, season one and two are on Hulu. Oh yeah, they're on Hulu as well. Yep, but it's just like I, I'm not a I. 
I want to just like, you want the show to succeed. It's like, tell me how I can watch this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make this a lot tell easier. Us to, tell us how to find it and yeah. watch it, and we'll, we'll watch it. I want to watch it. Yeah, I just want to see uh, what Jim Cornette has to say about this, because he's like, to me, he's, he's a huge part of that show, too, especially when he starts going off on basically shooting on like the current product or just making sure he's as healthy as he can so he can stay alive to yeah. piss on Vince Russo's grave. Yeah, I mean, I like I think he's a great character. I know he's got heat with a lot of people, but you know, he commits to his gimmick. Oh yeah. And I respect that. Yeah, and it's just like I mean, he came from back when, you know, wrestling you protect Kayfay in a yeah. way he's still trying to protect Kayfay. Yeah, and if you come at him, he has no hesitancy about cutting a promo on you. No. Even when he was basically uh I think it was uh man Santino. Uh-huh. Basically there there's a story that uh Santino was no selling the boogeyman and he was supposed to be scared of the boogeyman and he wasn't. And Jim Cornette slapped the shit out of him. And yeah. that's when Santino was a, basically a rookie. But the thing about Santino is, like, he's somewhat of a shooter. I believe he's, like, a judo expert. Yeah. And apparently there's, like, a, a, a YouTube video of basically Santino later on. Obviously, Santino still got over, and he's still got to be a, a big name. So I don't know if there was, like, a confrontation. And it's just, like, Cornette knew that he probably would still get his that. But he was still trying to cut a promo on him. Yeah. Like, I, I think he's the guy that's going to go down swinging. Mm-hmm. And screaming at you, even if you, whether you're winning or losing yeah. the fight. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he's a he's a, a huge part of that show. So he's I, a he's a part of wrestling, man. He he's is. Just, a, he's part of it. You know, they say that you know WWE is the custodian of wrestling, and in a way, they are with the the Hall of Fame. But it's just like you're always going to have this 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 other element of just like this is the real <laughs> the real history of yeah. wrestling. As as told, maybe Jim Cornette should open up his own Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy a ticket. Yeah, I'd go. 